passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And welcome to Post Pro Res. I'm John Pollock, reunited not only with my hot water, which I was without last month, but with WH Park, who is here. WH, how are you? I'm good, John. I'm, I was glad to see that your hot water was working when we all visited your home for, I suppose we could call it, I guess, Way's bachelor party. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Like our, our meetup in my backyard, which uh, went down. That feels so long ago. And that was only uh, last week. That was only last week that we all got together. So yeah, that was like 10 days ago. That feels that feels like three weeks ago, to be honest. How how, how long does Way's wedding actually feel like then? It was only it was actually a week ago right now that we were all at his wedding on a on a Sunday night. Um that feels that does feel a bit long as well. I think this has just been a very long, hectic week. So maybe it's uh it's just all uh compounded uh, time. Yeah, I mean what's uh Maybe we're gonna like start counting down to like, wait, how long was your how long ago was your was your honeymoon? Oh, two days, but it feels like three years. I actually have a trivia note for you right off the top. It is August the fifteenth. And do you know where you were on this date right now in two thousand and four? Was I at O'Grady's? No. Was I at your was I at your house? I'm gonna give you a hint. Because you've told this story before, but I can never hear it enough times. The hint is, I won't be here long. I'm doing a run-in. Oh, SummerSlam. <laughs> so I'm at, I'm at the Air Canada Center, uh, when it was known back then, as for SummerSlam. Which we were and, both at this show. We just weren't seated together. No, I was with Mike Murray. Yes. And, and so, you know, Mike went up to get some, some food and a beer at the concession stand. So I'm like, I'm sitting in our seats by myself. And then this guy sits down and I said, Hey, sorry, that, that seat's taken. My friend just went to get a beer. He'll be back soon. He goes, don't worry. I'm not staying long. I'm going to be doing a run in. I'm like, all right, dude, whatever, but not, 
15 minutes later, this guy, this is during the Undertaker JBL match. And there's this, like, this is a, this is like a fairly, I think, well-remembered fan run-in onto this limo. Like, I think people remember this, this spot. Yeah, it's the same guy. The same guy who, like, 20 minutes earlier just told me, I'm going to do a run-in, runs in. He's being chased by security. Like, you might not necessarily be able to see this on camera, but I can see it from where I'm sitting. And he jumps up and down on JBL's gimmicked roof limo. The gim- it's, it's a gimmicked rooftop because if you remember the match, there's a spot where JBL goes through the limo. So this dude is climbing on top of the gimmicked roof of the limo. I swear to God, John, you've never seen me and Mike Murray laughing so hard. And we were just like hoping he breaks the, the, the roof of that limo because that would have been even more hilarious. But it, it was a sight to see. <laughs> this was <laughs> like being there. Like we all saw this happening. And then the next it probably was the next night at O'Grady's or something. You tell me the story. And dude, I, I was just howling with it's like an even better backstory that here WH got to interact with this this fool moments before he did his run in, but what, what a great story. I love that story. Yeah. That's a, it's a good memory. I think it's might be the, one of the few things I actually remember from, from that, uh, from that card, because most things, most wrestling shows, I don't remember anything that happens at them. Well, we're going to be uh, jogging your memory about uh, some that has a, uh, well, we have a show that is only 24 hours old that we're going to be talking about before we get into uh this week's topics and news. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance, uh, WH, to chat a bit about uh, Jamal Hepburn, who sadly passed away last weekend. And the news came out uh, several days after the fact. I think it was Chris Hero that was the first one uh, to tweet it out. I think anyone that has been online, especially following Japanese wrestling, it's a name that you're so familiar with, with all his different channels. I personally did not know him uh, at all, but you did over the years get to interact with him quite a lot. So I thought maybe you could just share some of your interactions with him. Yeah. So Jamal uh, was known online as real hero one, two, zero, eight, nine on Twitter. Um, he's part of like kind of a collective of people who, you know, whose purpose was to archive and make available Japanese professional wrestling to people who didn't have access to it because you got to remember, John, this is before New Japan world. This is before like streaming services really took off. This is before Netflix. Oh, yeah. th- I mean? This guy was like a go-to, like just the name is just synonymous to me of like, just with Japanese wrestling on daily motion and other channels. And one thing that like Jamal was really good at was like about 2000 and 2010s, like Japanese wrestling, which is like really a dark spot for a lot of people. And he, he just had an encyclopedic knowledge of all that stuff. He had access to all this, but he said he would make available free for people. And he just provided great service to like fans and also to wrestlers. Like you'll see a lot of like comments coming up from wrestlers who like would, would interact, who would, who interacted with Jamal. And he, he made a point, like, I think he was a fan of, you know, Japanese audio wrestling. And then later post Perez, and he just randomly would message me on Twitter, DM me and then, oh, oh yeah, I know you are like, you're, you're a real hero. Okay. And then he just tell me backstage stuff. Cause like he, he actually interacted with a lot of big names, like of the foreign wrestlers that would wrestle in Japan. And it was just telling me tidbits here and there, like, oh, this was going on in New Japan locker room. This was going on in the All Japan locker room and all this stuff. And I was like, why are you telling me all this stuff? That's awesome. But, you know, that's something like I would necessarily pass on in public. I would tell you stuff that he would tell me. But like just a nice, super nice guy. Never asked for anything in return. He was just wanted to like talk about wrestling because he was passionate about wrestling. He wanted to share his passion. And I was just 
completely gobsmacked when I when I saw the news about him from from Chris Hero's Twitter, and I just felt so sad because like I I interacted with Javal a lot. Like yeah. he's just such a friendly friendly person, and just we shared a lot in common with our viewpoints about wrestling and and life in general. So I think it's a big loss to the community, and you know I and I don't know like how that void is is ever going to be filled. It make it does really like harken back, especially to an era like before we had just the the glut of streaming services where, you know, we've talked about it a lot, just how, you know, you're just you're almost so spoiled with with so much that that is out there. But especially for a period where, yeah, there was tape trading, but as we're migrating into like the digital age, like it's still like a small number of people that would go to the trouble of digitizing stuff getting it up there just for wrestlers like yes some of this stuff would air in japan but getting to actually see some of your your work like if you were a guy in the mid-2000s in noah like there's a very small number of people that were getting that stuff out there for a north american audience to see like you're talking a very small subset of people and he seemed to be a guy right at the forefront of getting a lot of stuff out there that it was you know hard to come by and just from you know a personal note like if there was a match like that I wanted to cover for like Thunderstruck or, you know, Cruel Summer or the Long and Winding Royal Road and it wasn't available already, if I had access to that footage and I needed to, you know, have it made, you have a link available for, for, fan, for listeners to, to watch, I would just ask Jamal, can you upload this on your channel? And he'd be like, oh, really? no problem. So like some of the links you'll see are from his channel because I asked him to put them up, you know, he didn't. And he said, yeah, no problem. Cause he was, he wanted to share the footage, but also like he was a fan of, of the work that we were doing at post wrestling. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a big loss for, for so many reasons, but like just as a, on a personal level, just such a nice, nice person. And I, I really, you know, I, I think about him, like I, I've been thinking about him like at least once a day since, uh, since Thursday. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate news. Uh, rest in peace to him and our condolences, of course, to all of his uh, friends and family and probably a lot of fans that he uh, that he grew over the years. Like you could see a lot of the tributes to him and it just seemed a lot of people echoed what WH said that this guy just seemed like just a real genuine dude for those that interacted with him. Wrestlers, fans, tape traders. It just seemed like he was a really great guy uh, behind the scenes and interacted with a lot of people. We're going to move on now to the resurgence show from Saturday night. And I did not know what to expect from this show WH. And yes, uh, there's the matches to talk about, but they shot a lot of big angles on this show. And they really did seem to make this feel almost like the, like the, the kickoff of whatever this is version two or stage two of new Japan strong. Like they're coming out of this, and I would say like New Japan Strong has a lot of buzz behind it coming out of this show and a lot of the different possibilities and players involved uh, coming out of this show. Yeah, I, I was actually more surprised by the amount of angles that they shot. And I just thought this feels like you're saying, John, this feels like it's like something that they're going to be really putting a lot of muscle behind, um, a lot of resources behind, because like it seems like a lot of the wrestlers who are going to be appearing exclusively on this on this brand are not going to be coming back going back and forth with japan um you know like osprey he came out and he's basically said i'm i'm staying here it it, it sounded genuine that he's not going to go back to japan anytime soon I, obviously he he's going to have to 
and he probably wants to to, to have the match with with Shingo. That's a natural money match right there. Which um, as well, like we can get into it. I mean, they 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 do have a storyline. If they want to get their their back to back nights at the domes, you at least have a story now where you have a G one winner, and in theory, like a unification match as well. Granted, you know where are things going to be in January, but they have kind of introduced this now that you know obviously Shingo and Osprey has to be a direction at some point. But I mean, they, it's all about where access is going to be for Americans to go over there as well. But yeah, it seems like like that's a major coup that. New Japan Strong looks to have Osprey for the time being. And like just all these people that, you know, aren't seemingly wanting to go to work back, go back to Japan. Like I think Finley doesn't want to go back. It sounds like Jay White looks like he's pretty happy just working impact and, and probably New Japan Strong for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, the, uh, the you juice. Know, yeah. Juice, just juice Robinson. And, um, I think also like the, you know, GOD, they don't want, they don't seem like they're in any rush to go back. And like they're, they built up like this feud that they're going to have with the good brothers, which I, I probably going to pass on every match that they have these two teams, because I think they both suck, but you know, I'm sure other people will tell me like, uh, how bad it is or maybe how surprisingly good it is. I, I doubt that that latter part is going to happen though, John. So you watched the New Japan World feed, and I watched it on Fight TV. I just thought with like like potential like news and stuff, I just didn't want to miss any like kind of announcements and stuff like that. But boy, was I paying for it during this opening match between Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin because WH this this feed was just brutal for the first match. I will say though, for for me at least, it was largely corrected after the first match, but it was just going at this brutally choppy pace. And I was like, there's no way I can watch this, this feed for three hours. I, I don't know what it is with fight TV and New Japan. Like they seem to have some terrible luck. Like I remember the Australian show had some problems with it. I remember Royal quest. That's right. Riddled with problems with these feeds. Like you would think like, which is it's later. pretty exclusive there. Like I watch a lot on fight and I typically don't have any problems, but you're right. It's the new Japan ones that seem to, and from all accounts, like the New Japan World feed, I mean, you you had no issues, correct? No, it was fine. I, I was like surprised. Well, I wasn't surprised to see all this stuff on Twitter. By TV, it's not good. Da, 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 da. I'm just like, well, well you know what? Fair comment, though. It's like it's 20 bucks to get the Fight TV thing and all you're getting. It's like for me, English commentary does not warrant an extra $20. Like I did it because I was covering this. And I imagine for some, maybe it is enough, but to me, it was enough that it would annoy me as a New Japan World subscriber that you're taking away something that you've already baked into New Japan World, which is English commentary. And now if I want that, it's 20 bucks on this other platform. Yeah, I I just look at it as like being greedy money grab from not so much fight to you, but more from new Japan side. <laughs> just like, you know, but like, that's the story of new Japan in 2021, John It's like, they need money and they will try to get as much money from the fan as possible. Well, they got my 20 bucks. So I guess, you know, I'm the sucker, but uh, Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin, this is part of a Coughlin's uh, series that he's going through. I mean, these two have worked so often together. It was another, you know, strong, match between these two with uh, Coglin winning with the Manifest Destiny, which is a, an Impaler DDT, 10 minutes and 48 seconds. If you just want to watch two products of Katsuyori Shibata, that's what you got with these two. It's solid. It's crisp work. There's no holes in, the, in it. 
it's just like a really nice, strong opener, uh, including some Shibata spots from uh, Fredericks with the forearms and baseball slide drop kick in the corner. I'm a big fan of Alex Coughlin. I, I, I actually like him more than Carl Fredericks. And, you know, there's that spot he did, John. He hit him. He hit Fredericks with that burning lariat, like a Ken of Kobashi. You know, oh, yeah. Sound and Fredericks I, came back with the overhand. Yeah. I popped big time. I, I love people who do lariats and that it's like, you know what? Dude, just perfect that and make that your finisher. It looks awesome. TJP, Clark Connors, and Ren Narita versus Fred Rosser, Rocky Romero, and Wheeler Utah. You know, for, the, for those that maybe were just like checking in on New Japan Strong and this was their first impression, um, tell me just a bit about your impressions of Fred Rosser in New Japan uh, Strong for a lot that, you know, their exposure to him was as Darren Young. How do you think he has uh, adapted to this system because he's become one of their... One of the featured guys on Strong. Yeah, I mean, talk about like someone who took a chance on themselves, reinvented themselves, and made it successful. Like he just started showing up. Oh, it's the former Darren Young. He's using his, his I guess Fred Rossmer's his real name, and he's got the whole like what no days off. That's his nickname, right? And just like the hardest working guy in the room, and and it and it shows. And I think it it's catched on at least with management. They offered him a contract, so he's a he's a contract in New Japan guy, at least for for the American side of it. But still, like the door is open for him to go to Japan when things open up, and it's safer to do so. Um, yeah, I think I think Fred Rosser. For those of you who just know him from as Darren Young from WWF WWE, this is going to be like. And you're wondering what's he like now? Check him out. I think you're going to be surprised at like how well he's used. For one thing, that's that's one of the other things. They need Japan strong. Uses him way better than what his last year or two in the WB were like. And yeah, he's made himself a, a. I think probably his his contribution to the company is more important behind the scenes. As I'm sure he's like good veteran hand who like gives a, a lot of the young guys who are on this roster a lot of good advice and stuff. Yeah, and he's getting paired up with Ren Narita, so that was a big focus of the match. Those two, uh, you know, interacting quite a bit. Rocky Romero was in doing the forever clotheslines and a double Rana onto Connors and TJP. And the end came as Romero's uh, Shiranui was blocked by Connors, and while it was blocked, TJP hit a splash off the top, giving Connors the pin on Rocky Romero in 11 minutes, 19 seconds. And then we would see TJP and Clark Connors later on in the show for the Will Ospreay angle. Yeah. Can I just say, I love Wheeler Yuta, John. You know, like this he's guy. Been, breaking I, through I, now. He's, I've been, he's on everyone's show now. I've been, I've been watching him since like he won that IWTV title. And it's, it's been amazing. Like just seeing him like everywhere. AEW, New Japan Strong, Ring of Honor, like his stuff in the, uh, the pure tournament. Fantastic. Like he's someone, him and Daniel Garcia are the two wrestlers. Like I'm, the most excited to watch like on the indies and like if you know they're, they're featured more prominently on different television shows like i'll try to check it out but i think like to to yuda and dangers you don't sign just keep doing what you're doing just work everywhere get the get the experience and just like you know get a bidding war on on, on you guys that's what i would say that that's my thought i've, I've said about Dan- daniel garcia that i mean ideally in a you know in, in a perfect world you're just going all over the place and just he's 22 and just get as much experience work with every different person you can. At the same time, you're coming off this pandemic where dates have been you know slow to come by. If you get a great contract, it, it's really hard to not go that that direction. But I just think 
you know, Daniel Garcia in a perfect world, he could just go all over the place and God knows where this guy will be by 24, much less, you know, his, by the time he's 30. I mean, that, that's pretty nuts to think about where he's going to be eight years from now. Come on, Daniel, go, go to Gleet. I want to see him do a UWFI uh, styles match, John. Maybe a FMWE? Not so much, no. In the fruit market? In the fruit market. That smells like, I was told, by the way, the fruit market, did I tell you this? It smells like gasoline. That's what I was told. Well, that's perfect for an exploding barbed wire deathmatch promotion, the smell of gas. I think it's because of Onita not naturally smelling that way. Hopefully not for a fruit market, no. The 10-man tag followed that with a Team Filthy, consisting of uh, your strong openweight champion, Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Danny Limelight, Royce Isaacs, and Jarrell Nelson against the returning Leo Rush, Fred Yehai, Yuya Yuimura, Chris Dickinson, and Adrian Quest, who was replacing Brody King, who they announced earlier in the day, uh, was off the card. I thought Leo Rush was retiring. He did not look like he's retiring anytime soon. Well, he did state that he was going to fulfill his contractually obligated dates, Dude, he looked really good, especially during the late part of this match. I would be very stunned if Leo... Uh, he was announced for the uh, the fall dates, too. I don't think Leo Rush is leaving this industry, and I would I would advise against it. I think like this guy is going to have a lot of options. Uh, you know, it's... You know, he... I imagine like that injury was pretty frustrating for him, but I think that he has a lot ahead of him. So we will see where his career takes him. Yeah, Fred Yehai, another guy I'm super high on. Like, just just work everywhere, Fred Yehai. If you're if you listen to this, just work everywhere, dude. Like, New Japan Strong, you get some dates on Dark Elevation, whatever shit they put on the YouTube there. Ring of Honor, just do it all. Get a bidding war on you. I think like Yehai, people like Kevin Blackwood, you know, Garcia, Wheeler Yuta. Like, I don't know why we're talking about the indie so much, but you know what, John? Like these 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 are the names. Like, I'm like. Man, I want to see more of these guys. Uh, Team Filthy got control of Adrian Quest for the longest time. Lawler got quite a bit of heat here, and the Team Filthy just posed to the crowd. Quest came back. He hit this crazy moonsault to the floor. Uh, Kratos was just playing monster throughout the match, and then Leo hit the rush hour on Limelight, who is just flying all over the place, and Yui Mura gets the big spot at the end with his big double overhooks uh, applied, hits the suplex, amazing bridge, and pins Danny Limelight. 12 minutes and 45 seconds, and in my favorite promo of the night, Yui Mura just announces that he is here, and Katsuyori Shibata comes into the ring and announces come with me they shook hands a wonderful uh alignment here of teacher and student and i think yui mura this is going to be i i i really like this uh setting for him especially that new japan strong it seems like they will be more active with shows he's not going to be just sitting at home for this whole time uh so we will see you uh yui mura now entrenched in the uh the u.s indie scene yeah i can't wait to see what suji does and in the UK, probably going to become like a fortune teller or something, you know, in the great tradition of like the great Okan getting a, a gimmick that makes absolutely no sense to the actual wrestler. Can't wait to see that. Yota Suji, the, uh, the jury will be out on him, but I'm pretty high on Yuya Yuri Murray having a, a worthwhile excursion here. And the match that they are building up to is Tom Waller and Leo Rush. So obviously they will be doing that match 
uh, at a date to be determined. That was the the focus coming out of this. I'm a big fan of Tom Waller, John, but you know those Daisy Duke style. I was going to ask you about Tom Waller's gear. I wanted to have your verdict uh, God, on, I, on Tom I, Waller. I, I am not a fan of them. I, I I think they look so like amateur hour. <laughs> I know why he does it. I know he does it to get heat because because he ha- he wears like real Daisy Dukes and he takes them off and he's got like the, the tights that look like Daisy Dukes. But yeah. Like, listen, even Steve Austin can't make Daisy Dukes look good. It, Tom Waller, just stop, dude. Just go, just be a fighter, dude. That's all you need to do. Hikuleo and Juice Robinson. I thought this was the weakest match on the show. Um, Hikuleo, I, I, I see like a lot of, you know, long-term potential in this guy. Like he is, you know, he's coming along fine, but he's very inexperienced. Juice Robinson was just all over the place here. There was a part, this might've been my most impressive, thing of the match was juice was on the top turnbuckle and he was obviously losing his balance so hikuleo then just nailed the top rope so he crotched himself and if that was instinctual just to save the guy that was about to like lose his footing then that's tremendous instincts by hikuleo Uh, robinson hit the left hand of god and then a lariat but hikuleo pops back up he goes for the tongan driller but it's countered not very smoothly with a roll-up and juice gets the the win instantly hikuleo destroys this dude so the finish meant nothing this match did not land for me i i hated this match i just thought it was boring and and i don't know like juice robinson i think the dude needs to 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 get a change of scenery i think he's hit his level in new japan both in japan and in the united states i i think the dude needs to like call up pete damore over at impact and say hey you whatever yeah that's the same guy anyways juice needs to call up pete and say hey you got a spot for me over there and what of course yes we do of course we do come on over i think he'd do well in impact i think like he would fit in really well with like his wrestling style and his character i just think like dude like dude's got like his his ceiling he hit it and now he's just like starting to hit the the floor now john you know like and the 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 floor it's not it's not it's there's not a limit on the floor it's actually quite bottomless for him in new japan i feel yeah, it's, you know, he came in and I think he greatly improved from the memories of CJ Parker in NXT. And, you know, he was he was on a great run, had that big match with Jay White in San Francisco. But I mean, the bar is high and it's, you know, there's a lot of great talent. And yeah, I think like Juice Robinson has kind of just, it's it's really hard for him to kind of find find his role. And he just seems like he is, you know, a bit of a background player. And this was you know, a nine minute match, but it really did not stand out. I just didn't think this really worked in the middle of the show. They announced the upcoming U.S. dates. So they're doing September 25th and 26th uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area at the Curtis Colwell Center, which AEW just recently ran. October 16th and 17th at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. November 13th, that's their big show. It's called Battle in the Valley in San Jose at the Civic Center, where they are promoting John Moxley, Jay White, Tomohiro Ishii, Juice Robinson, Leo Rush, and others. And then November 15th at the Riverside Municipal Auditorium in Riverside, California. So those are upcoming dates, uh, none of which WH and I will be embarking on road trips for. Oh, oh, well. That, that, I, uh, I don't know when I'm ever going show, back to the U.S. It may be quite a, quite a long time. That Philadelphia show would have been tempting to, to do a road trip to, John. Hey, I would, in normal circumstances, yeah, I would be... 
I, I would definitely be jonesing to go to one of these shows, but I don't know if now is the best time to be traveling to the U.S. Moose versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, they went 16 minutes and seven seconds, and this may have been the best match I've ever seen Moose have. He has the guy has gotten uh, in fantastic shape of the last few years, and. This was largely playing off of a match they had in 2016 where Moose wanted to avenge this loss to Ishii and it built up. They had big near falls in this. Ishii was hitting Moose with headbutts off of the turnbuckle. Uh, Moose got to showcase his, his leaping ability with a drop kick, a sky high out of the corner. And then they just went into each kicking out at one on different maneuvers and Ishii using a released German. They staggered to their feet. Ishii destroyed Moose with this lariat. Moose still kicked out, but then a sliding lariat puts down Moose and Ishii gets him up for the brain buster and the victory. And the place went nuts for this. It was uh, for me, my match of the show. Yeah. I, I was like, <laughs> eh. I was like, Oh, Impact could have had like sent Josh Alexander against Ishii. I would have fucking loved that. But no, they sent Moose fucking Jag to me. Just a guy. Like, you know, he, he runs around like the way he runs, John. It looks like he just shit his pants. That's what he runs like, you know? Like, and I'm just like, I, I have no interest in, in watching Moose. To me, this is just like a paint by the numbers Tomohiro Ishii match, which, you know, in and of itself is fine. It's a good match, but it's not a great match because like he's in there with Moose. And I just thought, eh, done. Let's move on. Have you seen a better Moose match? John, I can't even tell you if I've ever seen a Moose match besides this one. I'm sure I've seen some Ring of Honor match that I have no recollection of that if you said, David, you saw that Moose match against fucking, I know, Jay Lethal or something like that. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. Moose doesn't leave an impression, John. Like, what, what do you want me to say? Like, you know, except like on Twitter where I'm just like, oh, shake my head. Can't believe you just said that, dude. Well, we had the unofficial intermission when Will Ospreay came out and announced that he has been medically cleared and he brought up the G1 and he will not be performing in the G1 and is not going back to Japan. He worked his ass off for New Japan, broke his neck, and all he needed was four months off. They stripped me of the title. Look at John Moxley. Didn't defend the U.S. title for a year. Didn't get stripped. Ospreay insulted Shingo Takagi, said he's carrying around the fake title. It's an interim championship, and he reveals the real championship that he has brought with him. And he is going to defend this title against anyone, and he's staying here in New Japan strong because they need a genuine star. He then ripped on Shibata and the LA Dojo Geeks, which prompted TJP, Clark Connors, and Carl Fredericks to come out. And Osprey yelled that Shibata can't hold a candle to me. And then he took off through the crowd. He was uh, on a scale of one to Conor McGregor. He was like a 20 here in his uh, depiction, but a big angle here that Osprey is at least going to be based here in new Japan strong, not doing the G one, which I think many were expecting that announcement and looks like he is going to be just wrestling around and it creates a lot of, a lot of interesting matches and a genuine top star for New Japan Strong to tour with as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got to say, though, your delivery of that recap, John, was way better, like m- by a magnitude of like a thousand than like Will Ospreay's delivery of his own promo because his promo ability is terrible. The content of what he's saying, not so bad. The way he's saying it, it's terrible. Like Alan Farrell put it 
beautifully. He's a dollar store Conor McGregor, and it shows. Like this guy has no confidence. The, the Conor McGregor influence. It's like you, you want to have subtle, you know, nods, but it was very much. You know, when you, when we had to live through all the people trying to be the Rock, it's like it's a very hard facsimile to recreate when you're just going to be trying to be a version of the rock. And this was, you know, I, I think like the audience, they got into this just because it was an unannounced appearance. It's a big star and it's creating a lot of interesting, um, a, a lot of interesting scenarios for new Japan strong, but yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Connor level, I think you need to dial it back a bit. Those sunglasses, like talk about dollar store. They could be worth a thousand dollars, John. They do not look, they look like they are bought at the dollar store. And I'm talking about like the dollar store in like the West end of Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Where as they bring up the G1, we're a month away from the G1. Are you like, where is your level WH of expectation? Because it looks like none of these uh, figures on this show are going to be expected to be in the G1. And, you know, New Japan has not been knocking us dead with, you know, creative alternatives um, at, at their disposal, like outsiders for the G1. I, I don't know what to expect when they finally reveal the participants. And that should be coming up pretty soon that we get the announcement of, like, who's even going to be in this. I think it's the 18th of next month all of this starts. Um, yeah, I mean... Chase Owens is in the G1, John. I mean, the man who looks like a melted marshmallow. I mean, what, what, what do you think my my excitement level for the G1 is this year? It's in the fucking toilet. <laughs> I don't give a shit about the G1. Maybe they're going to get Sugiura and uh, Masato Tanaka. Maybe they're going to take like that D block from the N1 victory tournament, which I think is like uh, tailor-made for, for WH Park's enjoyment. Um, I seriously doubt like, you know, like... Um, Cyber fight is going to be helping out Fushi Road in, in in the year 2021 with any talent exchange or you, you might, maybe we'll get some, yeah, hey, listen, if like fucking Takuya Nomura and Fuminori Abe and like Daisuke Sakamoto, Yuji Okabayashi, you know, can, can get into the G1, then, then we're talking. Then I mean like, Hey, I might watch this now. Like, you know, not Abdullah Kobayashi, he can go fuck himself. But if you tell me like some of the strong dudes from Big Japan are going to show up in the G1, I'm there. That is if they don't all have COVID still, you know, that's that's the other problem with Big Japan is like, you know, it's easier to tell you, John, who hasn't gotten COVID in that company than it is to tell you who has gotten COVID. I would love a reaction video just for, I mean, this would not be great for the tournament, but for WH's reaction of like the big, the big get is a Nosawa Ron guy who is coming over. For a special G1, Ghetto and Nosawa, they're going to trade spots for six months. Nosawa's going to come to New Japan with Mudo. Wait, wait, as a booker? Yes, yes. He's going to take over Ghetto's duties and insert himself. Well, first of all, Mudo is definitely winning the, the IWGP World Heavyweight title. The, they're going to reintroduce the IC belt so he can win that too. They're going to bring the US title over so he can win that, the Never title. And even goddamn strong title. He's winning all those if Nosawa is the, the booker of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's even gonna win the junior tanking titles with Nosawa. That's what well, that's what that's what that's what the influence of Nosawa would bring to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Muda, like champion of the entire New Japan universe. We will get to Noah in our uh, in our next block here. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows defeated John Moxley and his mystery partner, Yuji Nagata. 
the crowd really got into the entrances and I guess they, they were very surprised to see Nagata. So excited was the city of Los Angeles that they had a fireworks display for Yuji Nagata's presence that they played, that they shot off throughout this entire match is just nonstop fireworks. Yeah, I was like, uh, I saw on Twitter that uh, Osprey took a picture in front of the fireworks, and and like people were like, is that is that deliberate on his part? I, I seriously doubt it, but you know what? Hey, kudos to the guy for taking advantage of a situation like that. So, I mean, the match was what it was. It was ten minutes, thirty three seconds. Not the best match on the show. It was really, you know, the crowd was into Moxley and Nagata. And Gallows and Anderson eventually hit the the magic killer to Moxley on top of a chair on the floor. It was a two-on-one advantage on Nagata, ending with Gallows landing a head kick and Carl Anderson with the gun stun. So Nagata is there to eat the fall. And Anderson and Gallows, your impact tag team champions, are victorious. I feel Doc Gallows should go to prison, John, you know, because he's like a thief. He's a thief of my time, you know, like time I'll never get back watching him wrestle, you know. I, I just I just feel there's like a crime being committed every time he gets into the ring. Well, he will not be in the G1, it doesn't look like. Well, human melted marshmallow is still in the G1, John. I mean, that's just as bad. Well, we're going to go to another uh, figure that has been polarizing for WH Park. That is Jay White, the never open weight champion defending the gold against David Finley. They went 22 minutes, 59 seconds, and... I thought they had a great match. I thought this was like a really, really strong effort from, from both individuals here. Uh, Jay White, like the audience really took to him in like a babyface light, but it wasn't to the point where he's compromising the character either or just all of a sudden playing, uh, you know, a different role. And, you know, f- they built up to some strong near falls. Uh, Ghetto was not here. Uh, unfortunately, so we didn't get any shenanigans from him. White shoved Finley into the referee. Finley then bounced off and gets hit with a low blow, and then White shoves the referee, and Finley gets a low blow, and the last shot for the big near fall, Finley hits the stunner, some half Nelsons, and then calls for the acid drop, but it's blocked, and in Jay White fashion, finds a counter to the Blade Runner and gets the pinfall, retains the title, and then cuts a big promo. He's coming after everyone. He's the number one asset in pro wrestling. And I sold out Madison Square Garden all by myself. I'm going to surprise you here, John. I like this match a lot. This might actually be my second favorite match of the night by by a small margin. Like It, it, it gets edged out by the main event. But I think Jay White works very well in an American setting because at his core, he is an American style pro wrestler. Like his style of wrestling is American. His character is an American style character. I think it, it's so like, you know, I've always said this about switchblade Jay white. It's like a square peg being shoved into a round corner, but you take that and put it into, into the American wrestling scene, that square peg is now fitting into a square hole. And I think he's perfect for, America. Like, I think he's great. Staying strong, go to AW, work in impact more. I actually enjoy him in, in the context of working in front of an American audience rather than, you know, like a Japanese audience. Because like the, one of the problems with Jay White, like he cuts these promos that make absolutely no sense because he's talking to an audience that for the most part has no idea what he's saying. Cause he, when he talks too fast, he's yelling all the time and it's just, it's just painful to watch for me. And, but in front of an, an English speaking audience, a predominantly English speaking audience is like, it's perfect. I think he works so well. Like 
seriously, like, I'm, not, I'm not even being like making a joke or doing a bit here. Like, I think he should seriously consider just staying in America or and, and signing with, you know, probably AW would be his best bet. But, you know, I, I think he's at his, his peak in, in, in Japan as well. Like, I don't see him getting the title back anytime soon, you know. So Jay White in, in America, perfect. Jay White in Japan, not so much. Well, he, him and Osprey both making AEW mentions. So they're certainly leading you in that direction coming out of that show of uh, future uh, interactions. And then the main event, Lance Archer against Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP United States Championship. John Moxley came down to watch this from ringside. He was uh, drinking a Modelo in the, in the front row, just kicking back. And these two had a super fun match. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi was just the greatest baby face he archer took like 95 percent of this match and he's an awesome bully that just beat the piss out of tanahashi from the get-go of this match uh, tanahashi got several hope spots here with the sling blade a twist and shout and then archer puts a chair in the corner and tanahashi reverses it sending archer into the chair gets a roll up the crowd is into seeing Tanahashi just get a two count on him. He survives a black hole slam, and then Tanahashi gets his big comeback at the end. Aces high, high fly flow onto the back, and then hits a proper high fly flow, and he pins Lance Archer in 17 minutes and 22 seconds. Just like a simple, basic match that was laid out. The crowd loved it. You had this tremendous bully that destroyed Tanahashi, who is just the world's best baby face here, who just sold tremendously. And that makes the big comeback, gets the win. The crowd goes nuts. And at the end of it all, Lance Archer says that he respects Tanahashi all the way back from the first time they met in 2011. And all he hopes is that they have a rematch that when Tanahashi comes to AEW, he faces Archer first. They shook hands and then Tanahashi had a love in with this audience And they just kept it on Tanahashi. I thought for sure we were getting an angle with Moxley, but never came. They just showed Moxley like upset at the end. And obviously they're going to continue with that story. But we just got the big hero shots of Tanahashi with the title in front of the LA Memorial Coliseum. And that's how the show ended with Tanahashi as your United States champion. Yeah, it's a really fun match. Very, you know, you know, by the numbers, you know, Lance Archer match and very by the numbers, like Hiroshi Tanahashi as, as an underdog baby face match. But hey, that's a good thing. Like I, I quite enjoyed it. I thought, <coughs> excuse me, Tanahashi, again, best baby face in the world, especially when he's like selling for someone as big as Lance Archer is. Um, but you know what, John, as soon as Jay White started talking about being the grand slam champion, the only grand slam champion in, in the promo before this match, I'm like, okay, Tanahashi's winning the US title because there is no way. New Japan for wrestling is going to have the white guy be the only Grand Slam champion in its history. And who better to be the other Grand Slam champion than Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the company. So coming out of this, I mean, everyone is, where do you see them uh, doing this Moxley Tanahashi match? Do you think they do it as early as uh, all out in a few weeks? Sure. If that's what, you know, like New Japan wants to do, if they feel like that's something that AW like 
put in the agreement for their work, you know, whatever working agreement that they have that he has to do it on AW television. Uh, it seems like, you know, the, the, there's not so many restrictions on Moxley working for other companies in the United States, especially like with, with New Japan, him being on this show. Um, maybe they can work it out where he's going to be, you know, facing Moxley on um, one of the, the big November shows. Who knows? Because it sounds like that the- San Jose show is, uh, you know, they are promoting, Moxley. They have not announced Tanahashi for November, but you know certainly the fact that they have Moxley, I think that's that will obviously be a, a major match. Whatever it, it, it sounds more like, like you know, like Archer built up the the televised rematch on on Dynamite between yeah. him and Tanahashi. I think that's more likely is that we'll see when Tanahashi comes to AW, he's going to face Archer in his you know his maybe his first title defense is the rematch with with Archer on Dynamite, and then that builds to Moxley challenging him for the title like in. On, on New Japan Strong Show, maybe the one in in San Jose. Like I think that would make more sense, and I I can see like New Japan being kind of insistent. Like we want Moxley Tanahashi on on our card. We will give you Tanahashi appearing on your television to help promote that match. But you know, like you can do Tanahashi against Archer. You can do Tanahashi against some other people on the the you know AW roster that like he can have matches with that would like be good for AW. You don't necessarily need to do the Moxley match on AW television or, or on their pay-per-view. I enjoyed this show quite a lot. Like it was it was a really entertaining wrestling show, but more important was they treated it like a big show. Like sometimes you build to a big show and I always think yes you want to deliver great matches, that's all great, but you also want to do some big angles and have people talking about future directions coming out of the show. And I thought they really hit that hard. Like there is to me, a lot of interest now in new Japan strong. They did not use this show as just, Hey, we're running a U.S. show with fans. We'll throw out our matches. And then it's just another in an endless cycle of, you know, really good wrestling shows. We get a lot of those, but they did a lot of angles and it's, I think going to drive a lot of people to strong. If this was kind of a point to sample and see what was going on here. So I thought this was, a very positive show for New Japan Strong. And I sense like a lot more attention on this show than a lot of recent New Japan domestic shows. Yeah, like within within the Western speaking, you know, the Western audience, English speaking audience, I think there is a lot more interest in Strong. And you know, I think, uh, you know, New Japan World could use the, the resurgence, uh, no pun intended, of like interest from the Western you know, the Western audience into like maybe resubscribing and as strong is having all these kind of interesting angles and directions that, you know, people can only see on, on world, then that's a great thing for, for the, the, the streaming service, like, which I think can use it. Like I know some people who've like kind of left it because it's just like, I don't have any interest in like the domestic product. And that's not to saying like it's the domestic product is, is weak because, you know, there's still some interest, like a predominantly strong interest in it still on the Japanese side. But like for, for, for my perspective of, you know, like looking at, you know, Twitter as an example, it's not the greatest indicator, obviously, but just as a sample, like so many people who who were like international fans of New Japan, like outside of Japan, are, are just like not interested anymore because of booking directions and, and the things like that. So I, I think it's good, like that they had this show, and yeah, like maybe there's going to be you know an upswing in subscription rates for 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 World, and that's something to to keep an eye on. I I kind of wonder this, John, like what's the synergy like between 
the the offices of like in Japan and in in the United States. It's like I, I get a feeling that Rocky Romero is a big part of like management for strong and like, and maybe one of the main bookers, if not the, the, the head booker of, of this product. And like may I don't, and I'm curious to see how much influence like, you know, ghetto and maybe Dick Toko have on this product. It doesn't seem like that much. If you're going to compare, you know, Japan's, you know, Japan product and, and the American product, it, they seem very, very, very different. Yeah, I, I would say so. And now you're talking like, I would say before, Going into this weekend, like it was just New Japan Strong was just this ancillary, or this ancillary product to New Japan. Like it was, you know, a side thing. And coming out of this weekend, like when you're talking about Osprey is going to be attached to this brand, like it feels very much on par with what the the current like New Japan cards are consisting of, and a lot more fresh matches and a lot more interest. Like this. Summer Struggle is maybe the most appropriate tour name for a New Japan tour that they are going through uh, at the moment. We've got uh, this weekend, uh, Shingo Takagi and Bushi missed Sunday show in Shizuoka due to fevers, and they're going to be undergoing PCR tests. And then they resume Monday and Tuesday at Korakuen Hall, where the Super Junior or the Super Junior Tag League is coming to an end on Tuesday. We have Ishimori Wait, and there, there's a Super Junior Tag League happening. <laughs> There is, and Ghetto and Dick Togo have the same amount of points as Rapongi 3K with none. Sorry. I just think that's hilarious. So this is the uh, the tournament. Dude, I see nobody following. I'm sure there are people because whenever I say grand statements like that, I will get contradictory uh, tweet, tweets from people. Yes, people are watching this, but I don't think with great intrigue attached to it. And the next major shows quote-unquote major shows, because we don't really have lineups yet, are September 4th and 5th at the MetLife Dome, the former Cebu Dome. Night one, WH, we have Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada in a rematch, and Toriano versus Chase Owens in either an I Quit match or a Texas Death match based on a Twitter poll, results pending. And then night two has Shingo Takagi against Evil for the World Heavyweight title, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi versus Tetsuya Naito and Sonata, and Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi, and Robbie Eagles versus Hiromu Takahashi, which should be an excellent junior heavyweight title match. And we'll get stardom dark matches on both nights. That's cool. I, I mean, we'll see what the what the the weather's like. You know, like Japan's going through some horrific monsoons right now. Like a lot of flooding. I get a lot of news from from friends over in Japan. It's like the the rain seems like it's just unrelenting over there. Like I think the 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 Fujisan Messe, the Shizuoka show, was delayed by two hours because of the rain. It's just you know, like if you've never experienced like typhoons or or like monsoons in in Japan, like I, it's no joke. There's like it seriously can be quite dangerous with the amount of flooding that can go on, and obviously it, it screws up roadways and and taking the like the Shinkansen and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, we'll see. Hopefully the weather starts clearing up over there. Let's move on over to Noah because you have had a chance to watch uh, today's main event from Kawasaki with Takeshi Sugiura uh, putting up the GHC National Championship against Masato Tanaka's Zero One World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, this was a lengthy match, and you seem to be buzzing about this match. W. Yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed it. It was 
like really well paced like the the level at the of athleticism and physicality and brutality that these two men who are friends in real life and former tag team partners in Danganyaki's that they inflicted upon one another was quite quite amazing to see but i have to say like it's really well structured because they they started off more like you know kind of you know grappling and going for holds and stuff like that but quickly you know uh, escalated into like you know hitting each other really hard with forearms shots and then going for the big bombs near the end of the match. And, and just the, the sheer amount of brutality sustained by both Sigura and Tanaka at the age of, I think 51 and 48, he's the same age as me, John Masato Tanaka, same age as me. Uh, He he debuted in July of 1993. And, and the amount of punishment this man has endured in the career that he's had in, in FMW ECW alone, the amount of head trauma he suffered in that company and in, in the, like the last 20 years of being like, you know, one of the top guys in, in zero one and on the Japanese independence is just mind blowing. And, and yeah, was, this is a great match. Like, um, I went four stars on this. I, you know, people's like, well, it's not a five star. It, it, it fell a little short of the five star range, but I would recommend this, like, especially if you like physical physical matches and like that makes sense and that don't aren't overblown with like you know nonsensical high spots and things like that like you're t- talking about two of the best like Takashi Sugiera is probably the best pure heavyweight style wrestler in in the world today like I I say even more than like say someone like Walter I think if, if you like Walter's matches you're gonna probably be blown away by the kind of work that Sugiera does just because I think he's a smarter wrestler than, than Walter is and he he knows how to lay out his matches with the the opponent that he whoever he's facing really 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 well and like he's facing someone who's kind of almost a mirror image of himself in some ways with Masada Tanaka who's just like got the the experience of like you know 17 wrestlers in one body you know what I mean John and mm-hmm. and to me I, I always I always get a kick like out of like seeing that zero one world heavyweight title because because if, for people who don't know it is the old AWA World Heavyweight Title Belt. Yes. Um, this was also the card where uh, Keiji Muto was removed uh, due to COVID precautions. So now Michi Marufuji brought in the ultimate backup, Nosawa Rongai, in defeat to Hayata and Yoshinari Ogawa. He also, you know, thought, well, people paid for someone in face paint and to blow mist. So Marufuji, he wore the Muta face paint and he and he blew the green mist in the face of Hayata, which I'm not too sad about because I hate Hayata. Well, one thing that some were very sad about, that was the retirement of Masato Yoshino earlier this month. And uh, we're not going to go through the shows, but it was a uh, two nights in Kobe culminating with uh, Ada and BB Hulk beating Yoshino and Naruki Doi. And for UWH, when you think of the career of Masato Yoshino, what are some of the the highlights you're going to go to and, and his legacy with uh, Tori Yuman and then by extension, Dragon Gate. Okay. So he starts off in T2P, which is like Ultimo Dragon's second class of his, his trainees and graduates. And, and then he comes to, you know, he comes to Japan and he does the, he's in the Italian connection as, as a, as a Tarzan jungle boy, kind of a gimmick. Believe it or not, this is what you see in Jungle Boy and AEW is, is very much modeled on Masato Yoshino's like really first big gimmick in, in, in Toriyaman. And what I remember most about this, this guy when I first saw him in, in T2P and then in Toriyaman was that my God, he is the fastest wrestler 
I have ever seen. But not only is he's not, and he's not, but he doesn't wrestle like a high flyer per se, John. He is an incredibly gifted, intricate technical wrestler because he studied Yave under Skyda in in Mexico, mm-hmm. which is like where you know Ultimate Dragon would send a lot of his his trainees would be to train in Mexico under under Skyda doing lucha and and Yave and on then teaching them you know more traditional Perez style in in, in Japan. But Yoshino was kind of like this really brilliant, like melding of like all these different influences on his style, like incredibly fast, incredibly technical, a great high flyer in his, in his own right. But like, for me, the highlights uh, were like his last title run. I, cause like it, it happened after with the open, the dream gate title, like, cause it happened after the, 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 the departure of Shima, uh, T-Hawk, Ada to form the strong hearts. And, and then they were going to go join OWE and it seemed like, and Shigo Takagi had just left and, you know, we're about to leave. And it just was like, oh my God, what's happening in Dragon Gate? But he became the, the ch- open the Dream Gate champion. And, you know, like, and it was just like this kind of st- stabilizing force in the company. And apparently, you know, like this is also happening stuff behind the scenes. But like on screen, like for me, one of my highlights for him was also like his tag team with Nuruki Doi, uh, mm-hmm. Speed Muscle. I think they were one of the, best tag teams i had seen in like the their the, the two, 2010s john like they had that match with the morrissey machine guns on on um, on T, tna television they had all these awesome matches in japan with like what i thought was probably my favorite era of dragon gate tag team tag teams with variations of like rio saito and susumu yokozuka susumu yokozuka with with kunis and and like all these other different tags it's so so too many to, to name john but like it's a great tag team scene if you want to get into like if you love tag team wrestling go check out the 2010s era of, of dragon gate tag team wrestling and speed muscle is like just such this such a was kind of the anchor the foundation which you could build off all these other you know tag teams and 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 a great division and and yeah like i i don't know like to me like i think it's it's good that he's retiring before he's he's physically incapable of doing anything else because he's retiring because of you know lingering in, in you know effects of a neck injury he had suffered so I haven't watched the shows yet. I'm I'm going to at some point, but like to me, it's it's. I don't feel sad about him retiring. I I think it's great when wrestlers know when they should leave and and don't, you know, aren't forced to leave necessarily. I'm completely with you. I think that it's, you know, it's it's sometimes when when we've gotten them, it's it's more so when there's you know at a WWE Hall of Fame and it's a guy like Edge got this and others and it's you always get the one more match chant and it's like I always kind of cringe at that because it's like number one it's just enough with the chance but number two it's like a lot of these guys the transition to post your post wrestling career is tough enough without just having that kind of pressure that it just seems like there's always the it's pro wrestling you can always come back and do one more match I I applaud guys that sense that okay my my body is turning on me and and i don't want to go down that route where i'm suddenly 50 and i'm immobile or i have significant problems where i'm i'm not going to be able to get around that well so i i think for someone to acknowledge that granted i'm sure it's pretty significant for him to be making such a big decision at you know not a crazy old age by any stretch but to your point about the speed i mean going back to one of their most famous matches with the Supercard of Honor in 2006. It's 
it's incredible watching it on video, being in that building that night and you are watching this. You're just in awe at the speed of which Yoshino in particular, but you know, everyone involved in that, you were just watching something that was just a a different planet than everything else you'd been watching on this card. You were just stunned at what you were seeing in front of you. Oh, and, and just the, the amount of chemistry he had with, Everyone he faced on that roster, whether it was Dragon Kid or, or Kunis or Shima or Shingo Takagi or Yamato, it's it, the guy could work with anyone. He, he had great matches with Pac and like so many other people that would come like Ricochet as well. Like when they were in Dragon Gate, just someone who, if, if you really want to kind of get the feel of what, if you want to pick one wrestler, like I would pick, there's three wrestlers that I think epitomize Dragon Gate for me. It's like Shingo Takagi. It's Masaki Mochizuki and probably of his generation, it would be, it would be Masada Yoshino. So, you know, like check him out. Like there's so much footage out there. You, you know, you don't have to break the bank either to, to find it. it. Just go look for his name and just, yeah, pick something random. You're probably not going to be disappointed. Uh, let's just do a few updates on some tournaments. So stardom has kicked off the five-star Grand Prix. Um, so this weekend, they were supposed to run shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but the Saturday and Sunday shows in Nagano and Nagata got canceled due to COVID concerns. So their last show was Friday at and Hall, which I don't think is up on Stardom World until uh, Tuesday this week. And then they're back on Saturday to continue that. On the Red Stars side, Starlight Kid is leading with five points. Mina Shirakawa has four, as do Julia and Mayu Iwatani. Those are the leaders there. On the Blue Star side, uh, Tom Nakano, Micah, they both have six points. Shuri with four, as does Unagi Sayaka, Utami Hayashishita, and Saya Kamatani. So uh, I have not got to catch too much of the tournament thus far. They The big rematch between Utami and Shuri is on September the 4th. So that is one that I'm sure many people have circled down. That's going to be God, that's all out weekend. That's the same day as the MetLife Dome shows. God, that's a that's a crazy weekend. Yeah, like it's uh it's gonna be interesting, like how how, how the site's gonna be covering all this stuff. But um yeah, don't ask I, me. I, I don't have an answer right now. <laughs> production meeting. Um yes. uh, well I, I, I've been watching I haven't you know gotten to watch too much of it. I've been making my way through actually just the first night. Tomorrow is my big catch up, John. Like I'm just gonna plow through like the, the the rest of the the rest of the shows and try to catch up before before tuesday um Hit, I, us I'm up just, with your recommendations wh park nine on uh, right, right now like honestly right now like the big match that i just absolutely just finished watching and absolutely from, from night one was shuri versus uh saya kamatani and just an absolute banger of a match because i think these two play off each other like shuri is like the veteran who's like you know got the legit background and can and can just beat people up and she and she enjoys it she enjoys beating especially like the younger wrestlers and you know kamitani is like three years two years into her career and is already an awesome high-flying baby face and she brings it to shuri like she, the, the growth like we talk about utami and her growth as a wrestler, like you gotta, you gotta talk, start talking about Kamitani in the same breath because, like, mm-hmm. the growth in her confidence is incredible. Like, there's a point where they're like, where like Shuri is just slapping the shit out of her, and like she's kind of like 
you know, indicating slap me back, slap me back. And then, you know, Sayakami Tani just starts slapping her back and just started beating the shit out of her. I'm not sure. This is like one of the most legit, toughest people in all of wrestling, whether it's a man or a woman, John. Like, uh, she she brings it to her. And I think it, it says something that how much, like, respect that she commands now. It's, it's such a young stage in her career that, like, like that Shuri is willing to, like, sell, like, sell her 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 reputation to to get this this young lady over and like just just an absolute great 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 match and i i reckon it's my favorite one so far I'm, i'll be like putting ratings up like as i go through the tournament for sure up on my twitter so saturday it's uh julia against mina shirakawa and azumi versus konami and sunday that's just two matches per show this weekend uh hamika versus mina shirakawa and utami versus konami on Sunday show and we we still have yet to see Takumi Aroha show up and to do her matches for the tournament and that's like, that's right I'm, I mean man, I'm so excited about that her series with Mayu Iwatani last year were just unbelievable matches um if you want to go back and check out any of those can, can uh, I just say well do I want to just give one recommendation um like I did it when I was appearing on like the uh a show I did with the Eastern Lyric guys recently but I want to recommend if you if you're into Joshi Go beyond stardom right now. There is an awesome interpromotional uh, program between uh, Marvelous and and um, and and uh, Sendai Girls that's been over you know crossing over to like you know um, Gaiaism shows and, and Marvelous shows and to to uh, Sendai Girl shows. Like and you, this is all you can probably catch a lot of this on on uh, the different streaming services like you know like um, YouTube and, and Daily Motion things like that. I I am so excited about like um uh mio oh what's her name uh i forget her she's the girl from marvelous oh i can't her first name is mio something can't believe i'm forgetting this but her her interactions with chihiro hashimoto from sendai girls are out of this world john like i think i've sent you links to it you know like if you haven't watched them yet try try to carve some time out i guarantee you won't regret it uh just circling back to Noah, they've announced uh, the blocks for the N1 Victory Tournament. It starts September the 12th. This year, they're doing four blocks, so it'll be round-robin matches, and then they will do um, the, the winners of each block advance to the semifinals. So we'll have four people representing each block. First one has uh, Sagiura, Kaito Kiyomiya, Manabu Soya, and yes, Keiji Muto in the tournament. Block B has Keno, Daiki Inaba, Masaki Mochizuki, and the fourth member uh, to be announced, Block C, uh, this has Katsuhiko Nakajima, Kazushi Sakuraba, Kotaro Suzuki, and Masato Tanaka. That's a, that's a wild block. And then block D, Masakitamiya, Akatoshi Saito, Masakatsu Fanaki, and Kazuyuki Fujita. <laughs> these are some like, uh, I'm intrigued. I am intrigued, WH, by these uh, uh, blocks. I, yeah, I'm intrigued to see like what, you know, Fujita tries to pull with like Funaki and then hopefully Funaki fucks him up. Um, yeah, Block C, you, you know, on the surface, Block C is my block. I, yep, that's, I, that seemed to be the one I thought that would jump out at you. Yeah, Nakajima, like in anything, but especially against those names, holy shit, that should be some good good matches. Bald right there. Nakajima, too. Uh, bald Nakajima, like you think, oh, he's going to lose some of his charisma when he loses his curls. But no, like he's got the smile still, John, that evil smile. And like, yeah, he the hair will grow back. He'll get the perm again. No problem. I'm not worried about Nakajima at all. And then the last tournament, All Japan has kicked off its uh, Royal Road Tournament, and they did two shows on Sunday with 16 matches. And we've got advancing 
to the round of 16, Shuji Ishikawa, Iyato Yoshida, Zeus, Atsuki Aoyagi, T-Hawk, Kento Miyahara, Shigehiro Irie, Jake Lee, and then on the second show, advancing are Suwama, Francesco, Francesco Akira, Hokuto Amori, Tajiri, Yoshitatsu, WH's pick to run the whole table, Abdullah Kobayashi, Koji Iwamoto, and Shotaro Ashino. I guess the major upset, uh, not, not so much an upset, but the most notable name eliminated in the opening round was uh, Yuma Aoyagi, who was beat by Ashino in the main event of the second show. Yeah, and they they have the updated bracket. It's uh, going to happen on the 18th in Yokohama. Uh, Jake Lee versus Koji Iwamoto, uh, battle of former tag team partners. Uh, uh, Hokuto Omori versus Ayato Yoshida. Uh, Atsuki Aoyagi versus Tajiri. Zeus versus Shotaro Ishino. Oh, that should be good. Uh, my 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 good friend Abdullah Kobayashi versus Suwama. <laughs> Uh, that that should be interesting in its own right. Uh, Shikihiro Irie versus Yoshitatsu. Oh God. Uh, Miyahara versus T Hawk. That should be excellent. Oh, that that's a really good pairing. Uh, and Ishikawa versus Francesco. <laughs> wow. You know what? I think they're very high at Akira. I, I I would not be surprised if he if he at least gets a lot of hope spots in this match. I, I don't that, think that could be gonna... a lot of fun. Like that's that should be you know a competitive like. 13 minutes and Akira comes up short. Like they are like, I think they're really making Akira out to be, you know, he gets the junior heavyweight title instantly loses it. And he's going to be the guy that just shows all this fire as I think a way to endear him to this audience that much further. And yeah, that would be, that would seem to be the story of that match. I do not see him uh, toppling Ishikawa. No, he's a big, he's a big man. Ishikawa, you know, so. And my final question, WH uh, is the annual Peter Pan show on your radar this year uh not really no it's gonna be i think lost in the shuffle this weekend but it is happening uh with junakiyama and uh kanosuke takashita in the main event yuki ueno against daisuke sasaki and then the six-man tag team title match with tetsuya endo soma takao and yuji hino versus kazusada higuchi yukio sakaguchi and saki akai those are your top three matches Oh, I think people are going to probably go like crazy over any interactions that Yuji Hino has with Saki Akai. So for people who don't know, Yuji Hino is like this very large man who has like incredibly stiff chops. Like we're talking, you know, like, you know, Kobashi level, Kensuke Sasaki level, you know, hard hitting chops from, from uh, Hino here. And Saki Akai is is a Joshi wrestler who's very thin, tall and thin. Like I, I think that's probably where the freak show aspect. I'm, 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 uh, I'm anticipating, not looking forward to it necessarily, but I'm anticipating many a GIF on the regular GIF accounts that are going to be like, you know, giving the shit out of any of the the, the, the brutality that's going to be placed upon Saki Akai by Yuji Hino. So, mm, uh, it'd be interesting, but I'm not look, necessarily looking forward to it. Well, I did bury the lead here because opening the show. In a current blast death match, Atsushi Onita, Senshiro Takagi, Akito, and Maki Ito versus Kuro-chan, Super Sasadango Machine, Tetsuhiro Kuroda, and Hakari Noah. Okay. Yeah. No. You you had me. You had lost me on like pretty much ninety percent of the names in that match. So. Well, you know what? WH might not be watching this, but I'll tell you how he's going to. Uh, get a strong analysis of this show because the great Mark Buckledy requested 
that he review this show for the site next weekend. So you can look for a Mark Buckledy classic review next weekend of the Wrestle Peter Pan event from DDT. I'm hoping uh, Mark will, will lace all his, his um, you know, you should do a show. He likes puns, John. I don't know if he's on the level of you in far as making puns goes, but he, he likes making puns. Like you should do a show with him at some point. You know, he's a crazy reader. I follow him on Twitter and he's at like yeah. 70 books. Like I thought I was reading like at a decent uh, rate, but it pales. It pales to his his totals already. It, it, I'm amazed at how much wrestling he watches and how much he reads. It's just it blows my mind, too. Uh, a modern marvel is uh, Mark Buckledy. So look out for that on postwrestling.com. A very busy weekend coming up. Uh, WH will be, of course, uh, sitting back on Saturday night for three hours of SummerSlam. And maybe <laughs> maybe he'll be uh, tweeting his thoughts on what's going gonna, on. Hey, I'm going to be doing a run-in. Maybe I'm going to be doing the <laughs> run-in this year. <laughs> well, we can only hope. But uh, that is going to wrap it up, everyone, for Post Pro Res. The show is going to be returning in two weeks on Sunday, August 29th. I will not be in this seat. WH Park, though, will be joined by a very special co-host. Yeah, my first time talking with Andrew Thompson, the great interviewer and and like news updater of post wrestling, Andrew Thompson. Like I've always, I just wanted to do something with Andrew, and I thought, you know what? I, if there's a show, we're going to review it. If it's just going through the news, who better than to, to get Andrew to, to go through the news with me and just give our analysis of what's happening in Japanese wrestling or, or the wrestling that's from Japan that's happening in America? Cause that's, that's a big thing these days. But yeah, I'm excited to do, to do a show with Andrew. It'll be my first time doing something with him. So I look, look forward to that in about two weeks time. And of course, you know, me and, and the newlywed waiting, uh, we, we, we cover. You know, we're covering what if the new MCU Disney Plus show, uh, you know, and it's the 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 multiverse show, the, the animated show. And I like the first episode so far. And and like we're going to, you know, depending what the episode is this week, we might have a special guest. We're not going to announce it right now, John, but like that's every Thursday where we're, we're bringing you MCU later. Look out for that for all Post Wrestling Cafe members. It's a great time. It's always a great time to join the cafe, especially during a ongoing Disney Plus series that Way and WH Park graciously review each episode of. So episode two of What If coming out this Thursday with Way and WH Park. I'm just going to say this for, for the post-wrestling cafe members. At some point, you're going to get sick of me saying the name Shuma Gorath. You're going to get <laughs> even like, it's just, oh, first he was on about Del Russ. By the way, Del Rusk did show up in this episode, first episode of What If. But maybe I'm just going to be going on about Shuma Gorath and you're just going to be like, Fuck this Shima Garath guy. You can also go check out the Post Pro Res merchandise and beautiful shirts at store.postwrestling.com. WH Park, you know what? He is he he goes through the uh the forbidden podcast realm all the time. We are more than happy to send the world WH Park. He is out there. Check him out on the Eastern Lariat podcast. He was recently on the Grapple Spotlight podcast. WH Park, a man in high demand. We are only so honored that we get his his time here John, on Post Pro Wrestling. I just I, I watched F9 last week. So you know that means it's like you gotta get on board. We gotta do the podcast with Benno. Gosh, I do need to. I, I need to see that. Way really deterred me on it because he man, he gave his review that this movie sucks. But I, I can't imagine it. I, I will find enjoyment even out of a, a fast movie that is quote unquote sucks. I will get enjoyment out of bearing it with, with <laughs> you and Benno. Like I have so many 
like hot takes about Vin Diesel in this movie. And even John Cena, who I do like, but my God. Anyways, I'm going to save that. All right. Well, folks, Post Pro Res, back in two weeks. MCU later, every Thursday at postwrestlingcafe.com. Give the man a follow at WHPark9. That is the number nine. Give him a follow, and he will give you all his takes, all his recommendations. And that is it for us. Another edition of Post Pro Res. Goodbye.